What is up, everybody? You're listening to Over 4 Podcast, where we discuss everything basketball-related that you've already heard, but better? Eh, I don't know. Or sometimes worse. But today, it's definitely going to be better. You know why? Because we got ourselves an interview with the one and only NBA superfan himself, James F. Goldstein. Yeah, yeah, you heard me. We got an interview with James freaking Goldstein. How did that happen, you say? Uh, I don't know. We're awesome. That's how that happened. So you're going to take a listen to this, and you're going to be amazed, because we were amazed, because this man is awesome. And unfortunately, we will be missing one of our members, Jacob, but don't worry, Jacob, you were there with us in spirit. So for this interview, it was just myself, Pierce, and Devin, and we were lucky enough to do this interview at James Goldstein's amazing house. He was kind enough to invite us and let us um, take up space in his humble abode. So we really appreciate that. This interview was recorded on November 12th, 2018. Just so y'all know, when we talk about stuff, it was because of that date. And just a disclaimer for the audio of this interview, um, he was having construction done at his house, so you guys will be hearing some of that in the background, so I apologize for that. But trust me when I say that it's still a great interview, you just might hear the occasional clinging and clanging in the background. So if you can stick through that, then uh, it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time for everybody. But yeah, without further ado, here is this interview that I can't believe we got. Listen. So today we are with NBA super fan, Jim Goldstein. How are you doing, sir? Nice to be here. <laughs> so how, you know, I, I know you were at the game last night where to, we were talking about uh, a little bit before, before it started, Tyson Chandler's uh, block. Was it a goaltend? What did it look like up close? I was at the opposite end of the court, mm -hmm. but from my angle, it looked like goaltending uh, okay. to me. Okay. And that's, it, it, it's a tough one, because like you said, it was right at the apex of the arch. So it's like, I know the rule is as it's coming down, but does it count at its precipice, like right up there? Well, I would like to read the precise wording of mm -hmm. the rule myself mm -hmm. after saying that. In my mind, it definitely wasn't on its way up. It was either at the apex or at its way down. Mm -hmm. So whatever it was, I would have been surprised if the officials had the guts to call a goaltend <laughs> that would have changed the outcome of the game. And I talked to several of the Atlanta players as they walked off the court. And they all felt that it was a goaltend, but at the same time, they knew they would never get that call. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that has to be a tough feeling right there. Because, I mean, the refs know it too. Like, that's the, they're at 500 right now. <laughs> they're not, you don't want to be the ref that puts the Lakers back under 500. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially right now, tensions are high right now. Right. You know, LeBron getting old, they're not trying to do this. It seems to me that if they can review uh, an out-of-bounds play, mm -hmm. they ought to be able to review a goaltend mm -hmm. as well. Because right. it happens so infrequently mm -hmm. that uh, it wouldn't delay the game, and it should be something that's reviewable. Yeah. So I want to talk about, I mean, there's just so many interesting things with, with you being a fan of the game. Um, one of them that's interesting, I think, to all of us is the close, you were talking about it, the close relationships you have with the players. Who are some of the just best friends you've made over the years that have, that have played in the NBA? 
Well, there have been quite a few going way back to the days of Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah. That's who awesome. I used to hang out with after the games. <laughs> but in um, over the last 20 years, I would have to say that my closest friend has been Clyde Drexler. What? Oh, wow. Who, Clyde, uh, Clyde Glide. I go to dinner with quite frequently when I'm in Houston, and he's been to my house many times. We play tennis together and so forth. That's great. That's awesome. So what was Wilt like off the court? I mean, you hear the tales of him being with women, obviously, but what what was he like just as a a guy? Well, he was a very outgoing, fun-loving guy, Mm -hmm. and uh, the girls seemed to like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he went after the young, short girls. And I always liked the older, tall girls. The so, models, yeah. So we didn't have a problem. So yeah. you pretty much had each other's taste. <laughs> like, as he always stood out, but he was like, I want the little one. And you stood out and you were like, I want the tall one. <laughs> okay. Clyde Drexler, though, that's, a, that's an interesting. Who has the winning ratio right now on the tennis matches? Don't worry, we're not going to tell him. <laughs> Are you beating well, him right now? We don't play matches, we just practice oh, okay. with oh, okay. each other. Uh, I would say that, uh, and he probably wouldn't want to hear this, but mm-hmm. I think I have the superior strokes. <laughs> oh! But Clyde, of course, had the athleticism and uh-huh. runs down every ball. Right. <laughs> but your stroke game's proper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know what? He will make sure he doesn't listen to this because yeah. if he comes knocking on the door tomorrow, it wasn't us. <laughs> so uh, over the years, how, how have you seen, because, uh, I mean, you've been going to games for decades, how have you seen the game change over the years? And, and has it changed in a way that you've liked? The game obviously has changed considerably. I've been watching the NBA almost from its start because uh, – I go way back to when I was growing up in Milwaukee and was a teenage statistician for the Milwaukee Hawks, not the Milwaukee Bucks, but the team that's now in Atlanta. So I've seen huge changes over the years. Used to be a slow game with just one-on-one defensive measures. There were no team defenses back in the day. Mm -hmm. Then it evolved into team defenses. Then we went through the 90s when it was so defensively oriented that it got a little boring. Mm. Now we've gone full circle, which I'm pleased to see that the game has become so fast. And I like the emphasis on the smaller players instead of the slow big men. The three-point shooting has gone a little too far, in my opinion. I agree. What I really object to is the wide-open three-point shot from the corner. I don't understand why the defenses play the way they do and leave the man open in the corner as much as they do. Yeah. But at the same time, I'd like to see the three-point line change so that it doesn't 
make for a shorter shot from the corner. I think the three-point line should be equidistant in all angles, thereby eliminating the three-point corner shot. It should be a two-point shot, not a three-point shot, in my opinion. So those are a few of the comments that I have. I miss some of the one-on-one -on -one dueling between the great stars. Mm -hmm. um, now there's so much team defense that you don't see very much of the one-on-one -on -one matchups. There's always someone else coming over to help. Last night in the game in the fourth quarter, I thought it was fantastic that Vince Carter was guarding LeBron one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. and he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, those guys, they, they grew up in the same yeah. same game right there. That's First of all, what a breakdown of the game. Right? Oh, my right. God. <laughs> he was the Basketball statistician. Savant. Yeah. yeah. Did you, you, did you, ever, you ever do, uh, I'm surprised you're not a, not a coach or, I actually wanted to ask you, I, I'm sure you've thought about it. You ever thought about owning a team? Definitely, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, from the time I was uh, in my 20s, I dreamed of owning a team. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, or maybe it was fortunate, but whatever, the prices of the teams kept escalating faster than my income <laughs> escalated. Life. And it, even though uh, the escalation for my own income was pretty good, mm -hmm. I can't complain, but the escalation of the prices was much faster. Uh, I started talking to people uh, way back when the price of the teams was $10 million. Uh, wow. It's come a long way yeah. since then. Yeah. <laughs> I was, when you said 10 million, I was like, that was the old price? Yeah. Oh, oh man. I can even go back before that when, when I was a young employee with a, with a firm, the Chicago Bulls were for sale for $1 million. Wow. That's, and oh I my told God. my boss, this is a good situation. Yeah. You, yeah. Should, you should look into buying it. Yeah. He wasn't a basketball fan, uh, so he just shuttled it aside. Uh, was that pre-MJ? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Way, yes. way, way pre-MJ. <laughs> Imagine if you owned them then. Yeah. Oh, man. They're one of the top, what, five leading franchise, like, yeah, numbers? Exactly. And, and so through the, through the decades of, of the game changing, what has, been, what has been your favorite team over that time, or, each your, or at least your favorite team in each era? Well, my favorite teams change from time to time. I've become enamored with certain teams that play a style that I enjoy, that have players on the team that I particularly enjoy, that uh, maybe are under the radar. I don't, I'm not a front runner kind of fan. Right. And so if one team starts dominating, I root for the team that is the underdog. And 
I'm right here, I'm a Nuggets fan, so I feel your pain. So all of those things enter into my emotions. I've always rooted against the Lakers for a number of reasons. Yes. One of them being that I felt I've seen over the years so many superstars change teams and join up with the Lakers that I felt the Lakers had too much of an advantage. Mm -hmm. And of course, along with that, my desire to root for the underdog has intensified my rooting for the visiting team when I go to the Laker games because with the exception of recent years, for the most part, they've been the top team or right. one of the top teams. Yeah. For many years, I was an anti-Boston Celtics fan for the same reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I actually heard that Kobe was, uh, was mad at you because of that, right? You, he didn't like that you weren't a Laker fan? Kobe mellowed at the very end of his career. Oh. But uh, for many years, he wouldn't speak to me. And I was told by another player who was a friend of mine that he told that player not to talk to me. Wow. <laughs> The pettiness of Kobe Bryant. <laughs> We're not surprised. <laughs> but Kobe and I are on good terms now. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, he's mellowed out. So Devin over here, he's a, he's a huge Denver Nuggets fan. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm sure he's gonna, he wants to know how many Nuggets games you catch a year. Well, I, I always go to Denver when they're in the playoffs. And I'm oh. expecting to go to Denver this year. Yes, uh. me too. <laughs> But uh, I've never been a particular Denver fan one, one way or the other. Understandable. Not too many people have. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the few most of the time. But, I mean, you were mentioning that, that corner three earlier today. Yeah. And Brooke Lopez hit eight of those last night. The center, Brooke mm -hmm. Lopez. They weren't corner threes, were they? Yeah, I think like four or five of them were corner threes. Really? And it hurt us because, like, the big man would leave the big man open for mm -hmm. that position. Because mm -hmm. you'd think, like, I'll take that. That's fine. No. He Usually, he shoots his threes from the top of the circle. Mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. He was like, he had a couple and of them corners. He, he's got a beautiful stroke. Mm -hmm. I love watching him shoot the ball. Yeah, I know. It, it cut me to my <laughs> core last night. Because <laughs> we're finally top three seed right now. I know it's early in the season. That's why I'm with you. Like, I'm hoping to go to Denver when we make the playoffs as well, mm -hmm. but we just haven't been in the last, like, five years. You know, after we lost George, Carl, and Iggy at the same time, that was it. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually curious, who do you think is going to come out of the East? Do you think uh, the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard now is going to surprise everybody, or do you think Boston? Well, I still see Boston as the strongest team, mm -hmm. personnel-wise. Uh, they lost again last night to Portland, mm -hmm. um, and I'm surprised they haven't been doing better so far. But I went to quite a few of their playoff games last year when they were missing t two key players, and they nevertheless impressed me so much that uh, I'll be surprised if they don't get to the finals, but I'm not looking forward to the transportation issues of 
my flying back and forth between Oakland and Boston. That <laughs> is not going to be fun. Right. So you, you think Golden State's coming out the West again? I think everyone will be shocked if they don't, if they don't yeah. make the final. It's a sad truth. Again. Well, one thing I know for sure, they've lost twice. Oh, this season. And go. one of those losses came from the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> That's always a fact. Every year, even their 73-9 and nine season, one of those losses came from the Denver. And the other one that we lost was in overtime. So we no. give them a run for their money. Well, Milwaukee trounced them by 24 points. Yes. In Oakland. In Oakland. He's got the, all the so, facts. Right. Uh, I have to say, Milwaukee is one of my favorite teams at the moment, mm. not mm. just because I'm from Milwaukee, oh, yeah. but Antetokounmpo is so exciting. Yeah, yeah he's, so. he's every year he seems to take another right. notch up. He's, he's, he's going for MVP this year. If he gets a three-point shot, it's oh, over. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks he shoots like 8% from the arc right now, <laughs> but if he gets a three, it's over. Right. And it's weird to say if he shoots like Brooke Lopez, it's right. over. Yeah. Well, <laughs> He has a pretty nice shooting motion. Yeah. So I think he's going to continually improve. Yeah. So with all the travel that you do, what's, what, what are some of your favorite uh, arenas to watch a game in? My two favorite arenas are the ones in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. and Utah. Oh, nice. Partly because the fans are so enthusiastic Mm -hmm. in both places. Mm -hmm. And also because the arenas are really made for basketball. Right. I think uh, that our arena here, the Staples Center, is one of the worst arenas, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) They've got a terrible auxiliary scoreboard. Mm -hmm. They've got... The, an arena that's built for hockey, not basketball. Mm. They've got terrible uh, facilities in the way of, uh, uh, of uh, off-court facilities, the worst VIP room probably in, in the NBA. <laughs> Which and, is ironic uh, being in L.A. I right? know, yeah. So, and the fans here in L.A., are among the quietest fans <laughs> yes. in the NBA. Yes. <laughs> they have, the fans here have no idea what it's like in some of these other arenas. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm yes. with you there. <laughs> I watched the game at Pepsi Center with Nuggets, and I, I, I don't think, I think I left the game hoarse. Yeah. I was on the Jumbotron right. like three times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so are there are there any are there any arenas? I know you live here, so you go to a lot of Laker and Clipper games. But are there any arenas around the country that you tend to avoid? No, no. I don't go out of my way to avoid arenas. But I have to say that I get fantastic treatment in most of the arenas that I go to, because the same people have been working there for. 20 years, and they know me by name. And when I come to a playoff game, they greet me in a beautiful way. But there is one arena that's an exception to that, and that's in Chicago. Oh, Oh, wow. The head of security in Chicago has been treating me like 
an escaped prison convict <laughs> for going back to the Michael Jordan days. Every time I show up, he's so rude to me. Uh, I, along the same conversation lines, I should talk about the Staples Center. The people there that have worked for a long time have always been nice to me. Mm -hmm. But I have never figured out why at the entrance to the Staples Center, the VIP entrance, they have different people working there every single game. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> Was there anything in particular that happened between you and the head of security in Chicago? Like did you throw a popcorn at him or something? No, <laughs> nothing at all. And if I step one foot out of my courtside seat, uh -huh. he says, get back to your seat. What? 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 So I can't even say hello to my friends yeah. who are playing in the game oh, during man. the pregame warm-up. So he's just a stickler then. Just... Yeah. Or he's got some personal issues going on. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Might, we might need to shuttle that grapevine right there and see what it is. He got deep-rooted for you. Because I doubt he treats like... Well, it, it, it's my style. There's mm. certain narrow-minded people, uh -huh. even today, yeah. that don't understand what I'm all about. Right. They don't know how to live life fabulously. <laughs> you know, my clothes, my long hair. Uh -huh. uh, back in the day, there was a time when people really were rebelled against that. People, yeah. you know, it was like, today we have the conflict between the Republicans and the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, we had a conflict between the guys with long hair and the guys <laughs> with crew cuts. With the buzz cuts, <laughs> the military men. <laughs> with your, like, great eccentric style. I mean, it's, I, I dig it. I can't fit in the pants as well as you can, but I try. But have you ever thought about, because it seems like such a musician rock star thing, have you ever thought about venturing into music yourself? Like, did you ever release a track or two? <laughs> no, I'm not a musician. I can't sing, but I feel like a rock star. And uh, people treat me like I'm a rock star. And it's a lot of fun when I go on my road trip during the playoffs and visit the other arenas and the reaction I get from the fans. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanting a photo with me, everybody getting excited when they see me. <laughs> and uh, it's really, really makes me feel like a rock star on tour. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, you I mean, certainly are. Yeah. The amount of games you go to, you're pretty much on tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how, how long have you been doing it to this pace? Like 100 plus games a year? Is it, is it like 20 years? Well, I've been going to all the Laker and Clipper games ever since the Clippers moved here. I think it was 34 years ago. Oh, wow. As far as the playoff trips go, I started out uh, probably... 35 years ago or so, mm -hmm. uh, by going to the games in Phoenix, 
going to the games in Utah, going to Sacramento, Oakland, all the places that were easy trips. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, during the Houston Rockets championship days, I became almost part of their team and was traveling with them. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, and going to all of their practices and so forth. And then after the Rockets disbanded, so to speak, and were no longer a championship team, I decided to really upgrade my travels and go to a game every single day during the playoffs, no matter how far I had to travel. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for the last, so that, the Rockets day ended about 20, a little over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, I've been going to an average of 35 playoff games a year. Oh man, <laughs> Jeez. it's hard to even watch that many playoff yeah, right. games on TV. <laughs> exactly. When it comes to work and stuff, it's like, sometimes I gotta watch the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> and you're at the play-by-play. -play. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and some, some people think I automatically get a courtside seat at any game I want to go to. Uh -huh. That's not the case. Okay. <laughs> but there are uh, a couple of teams, Oklahoma City and San Antonio, that set up a special seat for me that doesn't exist the rest of the season. And that seat is right next to the television crew at midcourt. Uh, they charge me for the seat, which is fine, but it's so great that they are looking out for me and yeah. creating that seat. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there are many arenas where I really have to uh, hustle to find a courtside seat. It's mm -hmm. not that easy, especially when I'm trying to buy only one seat and mm -hmm. nobody likes to split up a pair, but almost always I'm able to come out with a courtside seat somehow. Mm -hmm. There was one game in Houston last year against the Warriors where there was just nothing for sale, and mm -hmm. I ended up sitting way up. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and some of the people you were probably up sitting next to had no idea. They were sitting next to Mr. Courtside himself. <laughs> right. No, they do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I tell you what, I help you out. If they make you buy a pair of courtside seats, just know you have an automatic seat filler right here. Okay? <laughs> These cheeks were made for courtside seats. Just letting you know, I'll take that trouble off of you. Back to, back to fashion, um, who do you look at, which guys do you look at right now are the most fashionable players in the NBA? Well, I get asked that question quite often. And up until recently, I would answer uh, Russell Westbrook. I knew it. But <laughs> he has a clothing line. Oklahoma City played a game in LA a couple of weeks ago. And Russell was injured, so he didn't suit up for the game. And so I saw him sitting on the bench wearing what looked like 
just an average gray business suit with no shirt on <laughs> underneath. Ah, Westbrook. And when I saw him wearing that, I said to myself, Russell, you're no longer the best wrestler. <laughs> he, lost, he lost the title. <laughs> so now I'm giving my vote to P.J. Tucker. Oh, really? That's an interesting because one. last season I wore an amazing, unique jacket from Ballman that cost over $20,000. I wore it to a Houston game, and PJ came up to me and said, I have the same jacket. Oh. <laughs> and I think he's known for an amazing shoe collection, too. So PJ and I got more friendly after that, and my respect for him really went up. And in a way, it was the first time that I ever felt I had competition from a player in the NBA, <laughs> which, which I liked. And I told PJ this season, you know, if you were to see my collection of jackets for this season, you would know that you don't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, PJ's listening and he, he knows now. Yeah, he knows now. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 uh, pretty much acknowledged that he knows that he can't compete. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, so when you, when you go out to a game, what's the process of you even choosing your outfit? I mean, you probably got thousands of items. Well, when I go to the games, uh, first of all, I try to never wear the same outfit twice when the same visiting team is here. But I don't write it down sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I forget. Uh, but the, other than that, uh, the weather is a factor. And uh, sometimes uh, I wear the color of the visiting team that's playing the Lakers just to <laughs> annoy the Laker fans. <laughs> just to poke them right in the right. rear. Right. That's and uh, this fashion season, silver and black is what's really happening. Oh, oh which okay. happen to be the same colors as the Spurs colors. Mm. So when the Spurs come, you can believe that I'll be wearing silver and black. Silver and black. We're going to keep an eye out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have um, a certain collection you just say for like the playoffs or the finals? Well, the timing of the playoffs is such that the new fashion season is just beginning. So the spring-summer clothes are just coming out at the time of the playoffs. So I always have a new wardrobe for the spring-summer, which I haven't been wearing during the regular season. And so the playoffs are coinciding with all of my New clothes. Nice. <laughs> what are some fashion advice you, you could, or tidbits you can give to us? I think we're all trying to raise our level. Well, one, one thing I can say is that it's important not to be afraid to be different. And unfortunately, in the men's fashion world, it is so boring. Everybody dresses alike. People, men are afraid to be different 
And I would say that one of the most important things in my life is to be different, that it's definitely contributed to my popularity. And uh, I will never regret from the time I was a young boy, my decisions to not conform to everybody else. It seems like a lot, that's something like a lot of people struggle with is like trying to be different. And what, what, what do you think it was for you that um, gave you the confidence to kind of just be, be different? Well, you said the key word, it's all about confidence. And uh, certainly I have a lot more confidence now than I did when I was a young boy. But even then I had enough to be a little bit different. And now I'm not afraid to wear anything, for example. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I set the style and if uh, people don't understand or appreciate the way I look, it's their problem, not yeah. mine. Was there a, you said when you were a young boy that your confidence was a little less and then like it came. Was there a specific situation that happened that was like, this is it. I got all the confidence in the world. <laughs> I'm taking it from here on out. Um, no, I think it was just a gradual evolution. And uh, certainly my, uh, my fame, if you want to call it that, the, the recognition that I've gotten over the last 10 years or so, not only from basketball people, but from fashion people, from architectural people, from whatever, whatever it is that makes a person recognize me, certainly has contributed to my confidence level. Mm -hmm. Are there any, and just a random side question, are there any games specifically, because since you've been such an avid basketball goer for so long, that maybe work or something came up and you were like, I can't go to that one, and like one of the historic moments happened? Like any games you just regret that you couldn't be there for that one for any reason? Uh, in the last 25 years, I've missed only one NBA Finals game. Mm. What? And that happened <laughs> in game five three years ago between the Warriors and Cleveland, which the Warriors ended up losing and thereby lost the series. And I wasn't there because Southwest Airlines left me stranded oh. in LA oh, on a what? simple flight, one hour flight from LA to Oakland that I was leaving for probably four hours earlier than the starting time of the game. Yeah. And the plane never took off. Freaking wow. Southwest. Oh, man. I think that's the game. Was that the one where Draymond was suspended? That's yeah. right. Right. I think LeBron and Kyrie went for like 40 each. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that, you know, certainly there's other playoff games from time to time. Uh -huh. Earlier rounds that I say I wish I was there, yeah, because uh, you know it can't be a 
every game, there's two or three games the same night. Mm -hmm. I have to decide which game I'm going to. And I decide based sometimes on geographical consideration, on the my ability to get a courtside seat easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, my interest in the game itself, all of those go into my deciding which game to go to. Mm-hmm. Is there a matchup like two specific teams where you were like, eh, I'm not worried about that game? Would it right now, would it be like a like a Hornets versus Suns game or would it be like a, like what two teams you'd be like, oh, I'm not worried about that? During one. the regular season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, I feel that there are quite a few teams, unfortunately, that are very weak teams, Mm -hmm. especially in the Eastern Conference. And I don't get too excited about watching those teams play. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I decide which games I'm going to watch on television, obviously, I pick the games that don't involve those weak teams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I go to almost 80 games a year in Los Angeles, uh, I also watch games earlier in the day that start at 4 o'clock LA time. Mm -hmm. Watch on television before I drive down to the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. So not only do I see all these games in person, but I watch hundreds of NBA games on mm-hmm. television. Oh, okay. There, so there, there's probably no one better to ask this question than you because you've seen everybody, but what, do, what are your thoughts on the greatest of all time conversation? I don't like uh, the greatest of all times discussions or MVP discussions. I think there's too much favoritism, too much hype, and I don't think it is so significant as to how 80 uh, basketball writers or broadcasters vote for the MVP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's more important to say these are the top players and whether one is better than the other when they play different positions. I don't like getting into that. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Pierce loves the greatest of all time conversation. I hate it, but he'll do it with everything. You'll eat a plate of spaghetti and he'll be like, but is that the greatest of all time spaghetti? And he compares it to hundreds of Italian joints that he's been to. He just loves that conversation. Well, with that then, um, would you say you have a greatest team of all time? The same thing. Same thing? We talked earlier about how much the game has changed. Mm -hmm. So how do you compare teams from different eras? I think there's more athleticism now uh, than ever. And the, uh, the fact that there are less big, slow, prodding big men in the game today has even accelerated the increase in athleticism, which I think is great. But uh, I think it's very difficult to compare different eras. Uh, 
when the game is played so much differently today, is officiated so much differently today. So I don't get into that too much. Well, with the, with the news circling about right now with certain players, did you hear about the whole uh, Carmelo Anthony situation where they're saying now he's not gonna finish the season as a rocket? And how do you feel his career has like escalated and de-escalated at this point? Cause I mean, he was a nugget first. That's when I liked him, braids mellow. And then after that, you know, New York and all this other, do you think he really to himself has a place that he wants to go when he's trying to finagle his way there? Or do you think he's just done with basketball? Oh, he's not done with basketball. Maybe he's done with the Rockets, but uh, no, I think he loves shooting the ball. Uh huh. For sure. I think he'll always love shooting the ball. And I feel badly for him in a way because he's become such a scapegoat. First with the Knicks then with Oklahoma City, now Houston. Uh, And I like the guy. I think he's been deficient on the defensive side of things, but uh, I really like the guy. I really relate to shooters. And hopefully if Houston starts to win a few games, the pressure will be off Mm -hmm. and they'll figure out a way to utilize them in the best possible way. Yeah. So here at the at the Sheets Goldstein residence, I mean, beautiful place, obviously. What, what I know you've had tons of parties here. Have you had some players come, come well, through? Well, during All-Star Weekend last oh, February, yeah. there were two major parties here. Bleacher Report. Uh, right? On both Friday night and Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So there were quite a few players that came to that. And also prior to the Saturday night party earlier in the evening, Steph Curry had a private dinner party and I was a little disappointed that there were no other players here for his dinner party. He just had some of his non-basketball friends here for the dinner. But (laughs) anyway. That seems like a Steph Uh, Curry thing to do, doesn't it? (laughs) Quite a few players have come by, Mm -hmm. and the word has gone around about my house, and Mm -hmm. players come up to me on the court before a game and say, when are you going to invite me over? That's happening more and more now. Okay. Are you you planning on having an event for them, or...? There's no event coming up that that I'm planning. (laughs) But uh, it was funny. When Kobe was retired, was just at the end of his last season, Mm -hmm. I was contacted by someone that wanted to have a Kobe retirement party here. Wow. <laughs> wow. After all that, after all that talking, he wants to... I don't so. think Kobe knew that they oh, were okay. planning that. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, it didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I just have one more question about like the arenas and uh, just the structure of them. If you, if you could design your own basketball arena, what, what would that look like? What would you include that no other arena has right now? That's a good question. I've never... <clears throat> thought about that, but uh, certainly, um, which I think has been done, 
the seats would come right down to the court, not just the courtside seats, but the seats behind the courtside seats would escalate from that very first row. Instead of there being a wide aisle between the courtside seats and the other seats, the aisle would be much higher up. And uh, basketball is such an intimate sport that it's important to have as many seats as possible close to the court and angle up sharply, which is true in a place like Utah, for example. Um, so that's the most important thing. The, all the various entertainment rooms, and, uh, special boxes and all that, I think is secondary. Mm -hmm. The important thing is the intimacy factor and the closeness of the seats. Seeing as every, pretty much every player in the league wants to get a shoe, and seeing as you're like the honorary, I would put you as the NBA logo, because I know they're, <laughs> they're having that conversation now. Is there a, a particular, like do you want your own shoe, or do you want like the Goldstein jacket, or something that people can be like, oh, that's a special edition, only comes out during the holidays. <laughs> like, do you want like a Nike endorsement where they're gonna be like, boom, get you the Goldsteins. <laughs> they're good for comfortable walking shoes, and you can hoop somebody up at 3 p.m. if you need to. Well, I, I dabbled in the clothing business for a few years uh, with some friends of mine who were really running the, the business and they just borrowed my name to put on it. But uh, I don't really uh, feel that I'm good at producing a product that would sell to many people. Mm -hmm. because I specialize in unique clothing pieces that 99.9% .9 of the people would be afraid to wear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm not the right person to figure out what will sell What's to the a masses. lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Even now, we're like, out of the norm is the new norm. You know, like, well, nowadays, like, people like to go the far-reaching. They love the shoe releases, the clothing releases, Supreme, all those different mm -hmm. brands. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if you did that now, you might get the complete opposite reaction. Even with people that aren't enough basketball heads that know who you are or don't watch enough basketball, if the hype of it is enough, like, oh, LeBron has the new Goldstein jacket. Right. All mm -hmm. it takes is one of those players to wear it, and they see him walking down the tunnel in it before and the they game. They would wear it. And... People will go out there and spend three, four, five figures yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, I think you could be right, but it would have to be something that could be mass produced yeah. at a reasonable cost. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> now we talk about business. The clothes I wear, <laughs> I mean, I feel uh, guilty about the amount of money mm. I spend on them, but it's something that gives me tremendous satisfaction to yeah. be wearing a jacket that's really a piece of art. I think we're, we're almost at, at time, but I, I wanted to actually ask you as a, to kind of end with this, that 
for, for someone who wants to be the next James Goldstein or live a similar life, and maybe you're you know, a great NBA, a huge NBA fan and you want to go to 100 games or um, just lived a fantastic life you live, what, would you, what advice would you give to that person? Take your interest in the NBA to its extreme. If you really love NBA basketball, take it as far as you can. That's what I've always done, not only with basketball, but with fashion, with architecture. I don't believe in going halfway. If you love doing something, don't try to cut back. Take it as far as you can possibly go with it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with James F. Goldstein. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did recording it and listening to his wise, sage words on everything basketball. He also gave us a really cool tour um, of his office where he had a lot of pictures with that he's taken with a lot of athletes, and I wish we could have included that part in the interview. However, at that point, the uh, construction really picked up, and it just the audio was just horrible, as you, you know, as you heard. We did the best that we could with the situation. But regardless, we are so appreciative. Thank you, James Goldstein, so much for just letting us sit down and talk to you for a little bit. We really appreciate it, and it was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And yeah, guys, if you have any questions, you want to chat it up, talk to us about some of the stuff that you heard in the interview, go ahead and hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at 0 for 4 podcast, 0 for 4 podcast, I should say. Some people are getting confused out there, all right? It's 0 for 4. When I say 0 for 4, 0 for 4 podcast. No more confusions, all right? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to be shooting out some cool promos on all our social media, so keep a lookout for that. And we'll catch y'all in the next episode where, who knows, we might, just, we might just interview someone, we might just interview LeBron James himself. No, no, that's not going to happen. But you never know. Find out next time on 0 for 4 Podcast. Peace out.